0: Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Skift India podcast. I'm Asia editor, Pidan Doma Bhutia. And today we have Madhavan Menon, executive chairman of Thomas Cook India joining us. Welcome Madhavan.
1: Good morning, Pidan. Thank you for uh, to you and Skift for having me on this podcast.
0: We are glad that you could join us. Uh, Madhavan, of course, I've spoken with you last year as well, and, you know, last year when we spoke, you had mentioned that there is a strong demand for travel. This was just out of COVID, and then you'd said that it's not going away anytime soon. And you had also hinted that the average Indian's, you know, travel habits might change, and it wouldn't just be that one international holiday and two domestic holidays a year. Of course, we are seeing that change. We're seeing that, uh, you know, before our eyes. And we're seeing how India is becoming this global tourism powerhouse. Tell us how you've seen that change take place uh, in the last one year since we spoke.
1: So, uh, Pedan, I must I must admit that uh, this is one speculation I got right. I get, get it wrong fairly often. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, the, the reality is I think the signs were all there to see. Um so what we've witnessed in the months after we spoke last is not a surprise. However, I think some uh some trends have become very clear to us. Um and let me sort of list them out. The first one is obviously, you know, I think the average traveler in India has shifted uh post uh, post-pandemic from being a saver to a spender. And that's that's actually been witnessed by the new segments of customers that we are seeing approaching us. Um, So, you know, uh, we're seeing a younger, uh, age wise, much younger, uh, almost 10 years from our old customer profiles. We're seeing people who are, uh, you know, who are eager. Um, I don't know whether I should call it hungry, but uh, people who are eager to go on holidays. Um, And that's, that's, that's the first change that we've witnessed. We are witnessing with accompanying this younger generation appearing on our, uh, on the spectrum of the travel industry in India, we actually see it's being facilitated by the digitization of India. I mean, this is a much, uh, spoken story, but the reality is like every other industry, uh, the B2C segments, we are witnessing, uh, the same sort of trend where we're seeing people approach us both digitally um, to start the conversation or somewhere in between a conversation, uh, but we're seeing that trend uh, flow through. And you know I think thanks to uh, the fact that India has moved digitally, we also use the pandemic to sort of upgrade our systems so that customers could approach us in any of our business segments, um, either online through a contact center, um, and we were able to deal with them uh, in, to meet their aspirations. So I think second uh, important element. A third important element, which I think is extremely important, is um, earlier people had hesitations asking for EMIs uh, or even loans to travel. But this is a new trend early days. But we are, we are seeing people asking us if EMIs are available. I, I must tell you, you know, uh, that we've had EMIs available forever, but nobody ever used it. Uh, we've contracted with multiple NBFCs uh, to put make loans available. Nobody used it. But suddenly this trend has changed and we are seeing some of it appear. Um, yeah, another-
0: other than earlier when we saw emis emi was always associated with you know when you buy a house uh, taking a loan for a house or when you buy a car i think emi was mostly associated with those uh, assets but now uh, you're saying that you know people are changing it they're taking loans even for travel
1: absolutely so you know what you saw earlier was uh, loans or emis free emis on uh, tangible assets Now you're beginning to see the shift to intangible assets. And I'm pretty sure that we are not the only ones. There are other uh, industries, especially insurance, uh, across auto, across health, uh, which are witnessing the same sort of move. So, you know, I think uh, travel is witnessing that move. Another segment is this whole conversation around experimental uh, travel. You know, uh, it's called in multiple things in India, but uh, you know, people are talking about uh, motorcycle rides from Leh across uh, the entire northern spectrum. Um, you're so, Leh
0: would be the Leh would be the topmost India. portion of uh, yeah, India, yeah. the northern part of it. Uh,
1: you know, glamping is the other new segment where people are saying, "Oh, we're willing to." I mean. You know, a couple of years ago, if you asked me uh, whether Indian tourists would accept a tent, my answer would have been no. But today they're actually asking us. And we're even seeing, uh, recently heard on the Sterling board that they're asking us, aren't you going to do the same thing? So, you know, I think that uh, experimental, be it um, using, uh, you know, uh, motorcycles, glamping, uh, going to new places, trekking. These are all the new trends that we are witnessing. Of course, my mm-hmm. colleagues call it YOLO. Uh, I didn't know this <laughs> a while ago. And, you know, uh, somebody had to explain to me that you only live once. I, You know, I, I'm of the generation where we, we saw the movie You Only to Live Twice. But, you know, th- there is obviously a new one. And lastly, multiple holidays, which is what I talked about right in the beginning today, about being uh, hungry uh, for holidays. And I think that's manifesting itself in weekends, uh, you know, uh, short holidays, long holidays, all sorts of things. And we are seeing, we witnessed this at Thomas Cook and SOTC across the Yes,
0: of course, Madhavan. And of course, you know, the demand for travel, like you said, has uh, remained robust. You know, we thought that this was everybody was saying that this is something that is uh, that has come out of COVID. But we are seeing that the demand is not plateauing at any time. It's only rising. And uh, in spite of the fluctuations in airfares, also, we've noticed that flights are consistently full. You know, but um, I would also like to point out to the fact that that's why uh, that's where uh, Thomas Cook has also launched these uh, India's incredible short breaks. This is, I think, to increasingly cater to the growing need for short vacations and quick getaways. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and also about the factors uh, contributing to this travel boom?
1: Look, I think uh, it stems from the fact that uh, the the impact of the disrupt uh, of the pandemic is far greater than any of us even I think realize and it's manifesting itself. obviously it's manifested itself in the travel space. Now if you look at the younger generation, uh, the aspirations are different. So you've got the new traveler who most probably traveled by bus uh, or by train somewhere now suddenly saying, look, I'm not interested in short short haul travel. Tell me, how do I get across the country? And, uh, you know, domestic tourism is the primary driver around this. So seeing this demand, and I I must take you back to a point, I think when when we talked the last time, I talked about how cruising was the first signal that we saw of this with the Cordelia. Mm
0: -hmm. Correct.
1: And uh, this goes back to the year 2021 uh, when Cordelia was launched uh, none of us were sure, but we ended up selling more uh, holidays on the Cordelia in 21 than we did of anything else. The second trend that we saw was, uh, thanks to all the influencers and uh, the actors who went to the Maldives, uh, <laughs> Thomas <laughs> Cook and had never seriously sold the Maldives prior to that. And suddenly, we found ourselves to be the largest provider of holidays in the Maldives um, and this is information provided uh, to us by the Maldivian Tourism Organization. So, you know, that was a, that was the start. But now we are seeing demand. Uh, it's not the well sort of trodden uh, routes like Leh, Kashmir, uh, Andamans, and Kerala. But we are seeing demand across the segment. So we decided that instead of just ask, letting customers ask us what they want for what they want we decided to put out uh this sort of new product that mixed i must admit mixed and matched both domestic as well as international um uh, journeys and that was driven by airfares because if you looked at traveling on the trunk routes in india on days uh, during the week you'll actually find that some of those fares match fares into thailand into Dubai
0: Absolutely.
1: locations. So people sort of overcame that barrier of, you know, high airfares help people overcome that barrier that I can only travel within India. People are actually traveling out of India. And today, you know, you hear about people flying to Thailand for a weekend. Um, I just spoke to someone uh, yesterday who told me that uh, over one of these long weekends, they went on the Thursday night and came back on the, on the Monday night. And you know, unheard of maybe a couple of years till a couple of years ago, with the exception of the well healed who could travel. Now we are hearing ordinary people say that they're willing to go to Thailand for a, a weekend, they could go to Dubai for a weekend. Um, the other significant change we witnessed is Dubai. If I don't know if you remember, but up to about 2018, it was around the shopping festival in Dubai, which used to yes, be in yes. February and March. Today, people are talking about 12 months, you know, across the 12 months, people are, uh, are traveling to Dubai. It can be a weekend, it can be four days, it can be seven days. So, you know, I think we are witnessing a dramatic change in both the aspirations of travelers as well as the options available, despite all these other constraints like airfares.
0: Another one is it's interesting that, you know, when you pointed out about destinations, you've mentioned uh, Dubai and you've mentioned Thailand. Now, um, you know, just taking from your earnings call, Thomas Cook, of course, had an exceptional April to June quarter this year. I think you've got almost full recovery across most of your businesses except travel services. Now, in the earnings call, I remember you saying clearly that this is mainly due to the delays in visa processing, which has been a major challenge in this aspect. And I think uh, the destinations that you mentioned, be it Dubai or Thailand, have much easier visa policies. So can you tell me a little bit more about this? And do you see this visa challenge easing at any point in time? Or do you think that it's going to take because if you see now, the wait time for the visas are really long.
1: So, Pitna, I've got to balance my response to you because I don't want to upset my partners uh, on either side <laughs> of the spectrum. No, Look, I think uh, the initial delays in visas resulted in creating uh, what was the easy visa or no visa uh, segment. And Indians, you know, we've all grown up in the belief that you needed a visa to go everywhere. I read recently that there are 36 countries around the world where we don't need visas, which is a very interesting development. But the easy visa segment actually covered Southeast Asia and possibly the UAE, uh, both Dubai and Abu Dhabi uh, being the primary beneficiaries on in the Middle East for this. But off late, we are now seeing Kazakhstan, we are seeing Uzbekistan, we are seeing Georgia, we are seeing... All these other countries appear on this easy easy visa segment. Uh, or it is, you can get a visa very quickly. Uh, you know, uh, go online, you get a 24 hour turnaround. So it's not as if just you can land there and you get a visa on arrival, but even the, the access has improved. So that is one segment. As far as the availability of visas on the long haul is where I think we had our fair share of problems. Um, And in all fairness, you know, the embassies needed to scale up post-pandemic. I think a lot of them have scaled up. So, you know, delays in Europe have declined significantly. Some countries continue to have it. And I think we're facing, what we're facing, the problem is that with new resources having come into these embassies, the scrutiny levels have gone up. And therefore, the rejection rates have also gone up. But you know, I think that will settle down over a period of time. My expectation is by the year end, um, we would have sorted out all the glitches around visas being available in Europe. Uh, Australia, by the way, has actually overcome a lot of this, and visas are readily available. Japan, which used to be a nightmare getting visas, suddenly has become very easy. So you know, we're seeing uh, multiple things happen. The one um, question mark that remains is U.S. visas. Uh, I honestly don't know when the U.S. is going to solve this problem, but uh, visas on uh, visa problems or no problems. Uh, talk to the people at the airlines that service the United States. They'll tell you there there are no shortage of bookings on this segment. So, you know, there obviously there are a lot of Indian people who have long term visas into the U.S. and therefore are
0: trapped.
1: Yes. That's uh, that's the visa front, but you know I think 2024 will see a significant easing. And when I say easing, it's the ease to get a visa. Uh, I think the second most important element is the fact that uh, rejections obviously come down because people are trained more adequately and can recognize things. And lastly, I would, my expectation is that with the Europe EU expanding. And with new countries offering that opportunity, uh, you will see a broadening of the spectrum of holidays. So, for example, uh, you take Hungary, uh, is the new kid on the block issuing Schengen visas. Uh, so you'll see more people traveling into East, the old East, uh, erstwhile Eastern Europe. Uh, so you're going to see that you're going to see Central Asia becoming another popular destination. So these are all things. I mean, for example, the other day, somebody told me, are you aware of the historical uh, uh, historical element that is available in uh, Tashkent and Samarkand? Didn't know. Mm-hmm. But the reality, okay. people are discovering all these things. And so, you know, I think we will overcome the visa problem partly through improved servicing, partly through new countries emerging on the horizon. At the same time, people choosing uh, countries where they can get visas easily, so you know, so it broadens the spectrum entirely.
0: Correct, and Madhavan, I think this is also this is also a message to every destination that you know, of course, we know that Indian outbound tourism is becoming a force to reckon with, and if you want Indian tourists, the only thing that you need to do is you know ease the visa process because people are hungry, people want to travel. And if you want to get Indian tourists, just ease the visa process a bit, right?
1: Absolutely. You know, I must tell you that in all my travels, always, uh, you know, the Indian tourists pre-pandemic uh, was not always a welcome uh, source of business. Mm-hmm. And now you talk to anybody in Southeast Asia and the Middle East, they're asking, up, they're hungry for Indian tourists. You know, now I don't know how long this will last. But it depends entirely on when the Chinese... Uh, you know, the famous saying, the Chinese, instead of the Russians are coming, it's now the Chinese are coming.
0: <laughs> but I think it will take some time for the Chinese to come because we're seeing that in spite yeah. of the easing of norms, yeah. they are not really traveling the way. Th- I think it's a lot to do with the economic situation and a lot of other geopolitical concerns as well. Absolutely. But yes.
1: Absolutely. Um, so I think that is going to continue for a, lo- a lot longer. Uh, but, you know, that's going to impact... Uh, Southeast Asia pretty badly because yes. you know we Indians travel to Southeast Asia, but that's we don't use it as regularly as the Chinese did, and I think some markets in Southeast Asia are going to get affected by that.
0: You're correct, uh, but uh, when we when we talk about India, Madhavan, uh, you know we've seen, of course, you've seen uh-huh. great demand coming from uh, India. But uh, what is also noteworthy is that these, this demand that is coming is not just from the major cities, isn't it? We've seen emerging demand from smaller cities as well. That the, you know, and it indicates that the desire to travel is widespread and it's not just limited to the metros or the mini-metros.
1: Absolutely. If, if I use uh, the pandemic as an analogy, look at how fast it spread. Uh, the thirst to travel both domestically and short haul is, is really spreading. I mean, just to give you an idea, both at Thomas Cook and SOTC, the incidence of regional advertising in a la- regional languages has just shot through the uh, our, in terms of the amount of advertising we do because we recognize the demand from these markets is much higher. I, I, I think we must also, compl- uh, you know, com- uh, give credit to the domestic airline industry because connectivity today is, you know, earlier, if you wanted to travel to, let's say, um, somewhere in uh, Odisha you would have to go to Calcutta and then connect. Today, you can land in two locations, Bhubaneswar and Puri directly from Mumbai without even uh, hesitation. Uh, you can land in, uh, Tirupati. has been around, but, you know, if you had to travel to Vizag earlier, you couldn't fly directly to Vizag. Uh, There were limited flights into the Andamans. All this has changed. Uh, I mean, you know, so I think people are, and both Indigo obviously did, has done a lot of work. But if you look at uh, Air India is now beginning to connect uh, various cities in India uh, on the long haul. For example, look at Cochin, uh, look at Goa. Uh, Air India operates uh, four flights a week or something like that to each of these cities out of the UK. Um, you know, these open up markets for us because people will travel from these segments, yeah, from these locations into the long haul as well as the short haul. I mean, short haul adequately taken care of, but long haul coming in is going to make a difference. Um, and look, I, I think we are maybe. Uh, 12 months away from some of these cities being serviced into the U.S., uh, maybe with one stop, but nothing more than one stop. And these are straight out of the country and into uh, uh, the United States. So, you know, I I think we're we're going to see a complete change in this whole spectrum of what people, uh, how people will travel. It is not restricted to Mumbai, Delhi, Bangalore, or maybe Chennai. Absolutely. That is no longer the issue, and as visas come closer, I think people will have to make a trip to one of these cities to get their visas. But beyond that, I don't think they'll need to travel to the city to exit India anymore.
0: Absolutely, and um, that's a very important insight as well, Madhavan. You know, now let's talk about a bit about the role of the government, because you know, of course, Thomas Cook has Thomas Cook SOTC, but you also have Sita you also have uh, you know one of the biggest inbound companies how do you see the government's involvement in the inbound tourism landscape uh, especially considering india's status as a long haul destination because in the past you know there've been delays and indecision that led to a decline in inbound arrivals as you know travelers were choosing more affordable destinations currently the hotel rates in southeast asia you know which is just, uh, our competing market is a bit higher. So this also presents a golden opportunity for India to attract travellers with competitive pricing. Don't you think so?
1: I do, uh, Pin, but I think, you know, from a government's point of view, uh, you know, they have multiple concerns that they have to address in terms of visa issuance. And I think every government has this problem. It, we're not the only ones. But, you know, uh, what I would believe is that the government of India has eased visa issuance to a new level, we have never seen this before. And if you uh, look at CETA, they will tell you that their forward bookings out of the UK have just uh, gone uh, sky high. Uh, Europe is still struggling, uh, but you know I think that will follow in due course. The reality is, I think India as an India inbound destination is grossly underdimensioned. Um, purely because it has been viewed as a bit of an exotic destination despite us coming uh, into the forefront. I hope this entire G20 uh, activity as well as all the publicity that we seem to have both negative and uh, positive in the West will actually make India a more attractive destination for two reasons. One, uh, availability of flights and if you look at... Any source markets flights into India, India has actually been one of the fastest that has gone back to pre-COVID. Talk to the guys uh, out of the UK, that's both British Airways and Virgin, they will tell you that. Um, Look at the way uh, Air India is servicing uh, North America. It has more flights today than it has ever had. Uh, If you look at uh, Southeast Asia, Uh, you know, Singapore Airlines, uh, Middle East. uh, These are all people who have put back capacity into this market. There are exceptions uh, like the European airlines, which are taking their own sweet time. So be it. It doesn't matter because all these other airlines are actually providing capacity. Mind you, India, because of some of these problems, is still serviced at about 20% lower than pre-pandemic in terms of seat capacity, but that's not a problem. I, I think India will benefit from the G20. Uh, India will benefit from various other factors. We are very visible in the world today for all, for many right reasons and some wrong reasons, but the reality <laughs> is the visibility India has is huge. And it's we are witnessing it in our uh, forward bookings. Been. And I have no doubt that uh, 24 will be uh, a return to normalcy as far as inbound tourism into India is concerned. And, you know, being a TCI, uh, Sita, being the largest inbound player, uh, will wit- has already started witnessing this. And I think uh, we are also, it is aligned with some of the global trends, especially what we are witnessing in Southeast Asia also.
0: Mm-hmm. thank you thank you so much for highlighting that madhavan it's clear that there's a lot of potential for india in the in both the inbound and the outbound tourism sector and we appreciate your insights on the industry's current dynamics and future prospects and uh, that wraps up another episode of the skift india podcast we hope you found this conversation with madhavan menon as engaging as we did stay tuned for more such conversations and remember to subscribe to the skift india podcast on your favorite listening app. Thank you, Madhavan.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Will.
0: This has been the Skift India Travel Podcast. Thank you for listening.